Tonight we're going to pick up in, and I hope you get excited for this book, we are going to pick up in the book of Daniel tonight. Yeah, let's go. We, if you would, turn with me to your, in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. And before I read, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to read all 30 of our verses. So buckle up, and we're going to walk through them verse by verse tonight. But really, I just want to give you a little background, a little setting of where we are in Daniel. The book of Daniel is set right after um, Babylon's first attack on Jerusalem. And so the guys that we'll be looking at tonight, their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are in Babylonian exile. And with that, the king that is the king of Babylon, his name is Nebuchadnezzar. You try to say that a couple times fast, your tongue will get twisted. And so I may refer to him as Neb. I may say his full name, Nebuchadnezzar, but that's the king of Babylon. And tonight we're going to look at Daniel, um, Daniel chapter 3, but we're going to look at his three friends specifically, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And before I read our passage for tonight, I really wanted to just set it up with something that... um, Coach has been challenging me, I'm going to be honest, team. I am not a, I love reading my Bible. But outside of that, I struggle with reading. And he came to me in my office the other day. He said, Dakota, you do all this physical training, but we need to train that mind of yours. And so uh, I've been doing it. I've been challenged by it. And we are reading a book called Whisper Together and just really trying to learn how to hear from the Lord, hear the voice of God. And when I was reading, I'm going to save the stairs for you, Coach. Uh, this, I'll save story time for you. So I'll, stay, I'll kind of pace and read my story. But as I was reading, um, Coach and I are going through this book together. And I came across something that I think really applies to our culture today. And that is, do we accept truth or do we accept tolerance more? Do we put tolerance over truth, or in our life, do we put truth over tolerance? And this is what, his name's Mark Batterson. This is what he wrote in his book right here. And this is um, page 64. I know y'all don't have this book, so I don't know why I'm telling y'all. This is where I'm at in this book, page 64. You should read it. You should underline it. Um, And he's talking about God's word. And this is what he says right here. The Bible is not just my starting point. It's the final authority when it comes to matters of faith and doctrine. I believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God, truth with a capital T. The challenge is that we live in a culture where tolerance has been elevated above truth. It's considered wrong. Think about this, college students. If you do campus ministry with us, I bet you've seen this. It's considered wrong to say that something is wrong. And Mark Batterson thinks that's wrong. My team, we do too. I certainly want to be known more for what I'm for than what I'm against. And now look at this, students. And truth shouldn't be used as a weapon. But to think that everybody is right and nobody is wrong is as silly as pretending that everybody wins and nobody loses. Come on. You know the T-ballers are keeping track of the score. And even, not, and even if not keeping the score works for one season in Little League, it doesn't work in the real world. When truth is sacrificed on the altar of tolerance, it might seem as though everybody wins, but in reality, everybody loses. God calls us to a higher standard than tolerance. It's called truth, and it's always coupled with grace. And this is what, this is the last two sentences of the page right here. He says, grace means I'll love you no matter what. Truth means I'll be honest with you no matter what. And I think that's a phenomenal definition of truth. Truth means I'll be honest with you no matter what. And what I put in my book right here, I love to take notes as I'm reading this book and as Coach and I walked through it. Uh, We haven't walked through this chapter yet, and I'm super excited about it. I just wrote truth over 
tolerance. Because college students, how many times do we face on our college campuses of, oh, I believe everything is right. Even me and a group of guys today, we were sharing the gospel with two dudes today, and they literally said, man, I'm open to all religions. And I asked them this question. I said, man, it's cool that you're open to all religions, but it's dangerous if you believe all religions. Because I bet the question you have is, which one is right? And when you put tolerance over truth, what you do as a Christian, and this is for the Christians in the room, if you tolerate half-truths instead of the full truth, you are sacrificing what this tells us to do. And that's to stand on this. All Scripture is inspired by the Word of God, and it's profitable. And so tonight from our passage in Daniel chapter 3, from three guys, I'm going to say their name a lot, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what we see, what we'll look at tonight, we're going to see three truths from our passage. And I'm about to read the whole passage for us, but we're going to focus on one verse, and that's verse 25. And if, man, if, you want, if you don't memorize scripture, I encourage you, you should memorize verse 25 of Daniel chapter 3. And what we're going to see from these three men today, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, it doesn't matter what the consequences are. But they're not going to tolerate what culture has to say, and they're not going to put that above what God's word says because they're going to stand for truth. So I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read through this with us, and then we're going to walk through this tonight. Daniel chapter 3 says this right here, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. It's a pretty big statue. I was doing, if you want an image of that, I looked up, um, I was just, the first thing that came to my mind is Shaquille O'Neal. He has a statue in front of what used to be the Staples Center. I don't know the new name, and it's not a good name anyways. Um, but I looked up the height of a Shaquille O'Neal golden statue, and his statue is nine feet tall. So imagine ten of those stacked on top of each other leading up to the sky. That's how tall the statue was in Daniel chapter 3. And King Nebuchadnezzar set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So all these people came. They stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I mean, verse 4, a herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation and every language, you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music. <clears throat> you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and every kind of music, people of every nation and every language fell face down and worshipped the gold statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 8, some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. So they had harmful intentions for um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. You as king issued a decree that everyone who hears these instruments are to fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So really, these Chaldeans, what they're telling the king is, hey, these dudes, these three dudes you've appointed, straight up disrespecting you, don't care what you have to say, and they aren't listening to you. 
And this, this upsets King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 13, then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you're ready, it's like giving them a second chance. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who, here Nebuchadnezzar is getting real bold with this question right here. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. It's another great set of verses. If you want to memorize something, and we're going to come back to these verses here in a moment. These are some verses to memorize. Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But look at this verse right here. Circle it, highlight it, double underline it, right? Focus on this verse right here. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage again, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So really, this first interaction with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was probably calm, like, guys, I'm going to give you one more chance, and if you don't, you know the punishment that's coming. But as they give this response, we see he's mad. He, his whole expression, I bet his attitude, I bet his voice inflections, I bet his tone of voice is totally different towards these guys now. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded Commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, and head coverings and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of the blazing fire. So the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. Then he said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. Verse 25, this is our one vocal verse. This is the verse that we're going to um, excuse me, focus on for the rest of the message. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the most high God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their head was singed. Their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that of any people of any nation or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of 
Babylon. Let's pray, team. Heavenly Father, you're good, Lord. God, we thank you for you. God, we thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for the message and the truth that is in Daniel chapter 3 of what we're about to walk through tonight. God, I pray you would protect our minds and our heart in this place, God. Lord, would you remove any distractions in this room tonight? And Lord, will we hear from you tonight, God? Lord, would you change somebody's heart, God? Would you bring somebody from death to life tonight? And would we learn what it means to have another in the fire? God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. And so tonight we're going to see three truths from this passage. And number one is Christ gives you freedom in the fire. Number one, Christ gives us freedom in the fire. And that comes directly from verse 25. As it says, they were walking around untied. Because remember, Nebuchadnezzar gave the decree, the issue, hey, if you don't bow to this gold statue, we're going to tie you up in their robe and their trousers and everything and throw you into the fire. And his one, the king's one command, the one command that he had was to bow to this gold statue. And if we're being honest, college students, let's connect that. Let's relate that to the culture that we live in today. Like we talked about in the beginning, we live in a culture that puts tolerance over truth. So we live in a culture that says, hey, everything is right. What you believe is right. What I believe is right. We can just all agree to disagree, but that's wrong. Because there is only one way to heaven, and that Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Because here's the dangerous thing about culture, college students, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew. When you live for culture, that strips your identity. But when you live for Christ, that secures your identity. What do you mean by that, Dakota? In chapter 1 of Daniel, you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't their real names. These are their Babylonian names. In Daniel 1, we get their, their Hebrew names. And I don't know them off the top of my head because I've been studying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So my apologies. Daniel chapter 1, verse 6 has their original names. But what we see immediately when they get brought into Babylonian exile is that they were stripped of their original identity. And the king expected them to bow to the culture instead of bowing to Christ. And college students, that's dangerous because the scariest part about this is when you bow to the culture Instead of bowing to Christ, you are actually giving up your freedom. Dakota, what do you mean by that? When you bow to culture, when you try to live for culture and focus on culture, that is you tying yourself up and putting yourself in a box. But when you feel the, and experience the freedom of Christ, when you experience what Jesus has done in your life, that unties you and you get to walk in freedom. And not only that, but you get to have satisfaction. College students, culture does not satisfy you. The culture, the things of this world will not satisfy you like Jesus Christ does. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for them, they knew bowing to a golden statue was crazy. They th and for the king, he thought they were, they were probably crazy because he, they knew the consequences of standing up to the king. They knew the consequences of what was to come if they didn't bow to this gold statue. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what was even crazier for them was, if I bow to a gold statue, I'm bowing and worshiping to something that can't do anything for me. If you bow to a gold statue, if you bow to a culture, it doesn't know you personally. If you bow to that gold statue, if you bow to a culture, it doesn't know where you are in your life. 
The culture changes every single day, every single year. Culture tells us, hey, do what you want to do. Do what's cool in culture so you'll be popular and fit in. But that's totally against what God's word has to say. Because when you stand up for Christ, not only do you stand out, but you're speaking up for what God's word says. And that's truth. And that's what changes your life. College students, tonight, will we walk away knowing, hey, I have freedom in Christ no matter what the consequences are? Do you know that you have freedom in Christ no matter what the consequences are? And again, going back to our passage, King Nebuchadnezzar gave him a second chance, gave him a final chance. And man, I just want to read verses 16 through 18 again, and it says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. College students, watch this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't trapped by this threat by the king because their freedom wasn't based on King Nebuchadnezzar's commands. It was based on God's commands that come from God's word. Take that a step further. When you stand on what God has to say about you, you won't bow to what culture requests from you. Let me say that again. When you stand on what God has to say about you, you won't bow to what culture requests from you. Culture requests you to fit in. Culture requests you to go against the Bible. Culture takes away from you. Can I tell you tonight, college students, Christ gives you your identity. Christ gives you satisfaction. And from point number one, Christ gives you freedom, even in the midst of the consequences standing up for him. But not only that, what's very clear is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew the character of God. I was listening to Goose teach our seniors yesterday, and she brought up a, a great quote from Tozer, and that was, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. College students, do you know the character of God? Do you know who he is? And to take it a step further, I saw the quote just on the screen. For these guys, God's faithfulness wasn't based on what he did for them, but instead it was based on who he was to them. Verse 18 says, but even if he doesn't save us, we're not bound to your statue or the gods that you proclaim. Because they knew God's faithfulness wasn't based on what he does in our life, but it's based on who he is to our life. College students, who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he just a religious figure? Is he just somebody we just talk a lot about in stories? Or is he your personal Lord and Savior? that lived the perfect and sinless life for you, that he could die on the cross for your sins. Because your perspective of Christ tells a lot about who you think Christ is. And even before the physical fire, standing up to the king was another fire. College students, I know there are people in, on your campuses, in your classes that are asking you the same thing. Who is this God that you believe in? Why do you believe in this God? I even remember for myself when I was in college, I had science teachers And I was 19 years old. I was brand new to the faith. I remember in my science class, we were learning about the pancreas. And this teacher, my anatomy teacher, was very intelligent, but he was an evolutionist. He believed in evolution. And he asked this question. He asked, if there's this such great and high and mighty God, why would he give us something 
we don't even need. And as a 19-year-old, I couldn't answer that. But I know for me, if I was in that classroom now, I could be able to stand up and tell them, a professor, this is why. This is who God is. This is what God does for us. And whether he agrees or disagrees, what it comes down to is I'm not afraid of the consequences to come when it comes for standing up for Christ. Because my consequences from the Lord are a lot more scary than the consequences that we have coming from man. But what it comes down to is do you fear man more than you do God? Is your life based on a fear of man or is it based on a fear of God? Because And what's crazy is that's a different type of fear. This isn't even my notes, but let's talk about that for a second. When you fear man, it's you bowing down to them and submitting to them. But when you fear God, it's a reverence and a respect because God is the one who created man anyways. And you have to answer that question. Do you fear the consequences of man more or the consequences of God more? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for them, they, they, didn't, they didn't fear the consequences. They didn't fear the fiery furnace. They were willing to go to the fire for God, even if it meant their life. Because guess what? They had an eternal perspective and not a worldly perspective. When you have an eternal perspective, that takes your worries, your concerns, and fears away from temporal consequences. Because let me tell you something, the eternal consequence for not knowing God is eternal separation from him. And we'll come back and talk more about that. College students, you have the same decision to make as these three men had. Will you stand up for Christ or will you bow to the culture? Like I said at the beginning, standing up for Christ brings you satisfaction. Bowing to the culture brings you emptiness. And I also wrote this in my notes right here. You can't, faithfully, you can't faithfully stand up for Christ until you have fully surrendered to Christ. I looked up just a quick definition of surrender. And to surrender means to cease resisting. To see, I think about like criminal minds and things like that. Derek Morgan making all these arrests. When Derek Morgan makes arrests, what's he do? Man, he's calling the shots. He's in control. And the criminal is ceasing resistance. Man, when you surrender to God. And what do I mean by surrendering to God? When God has full control of your life, when God has full authority of your life, his word has the final say in your decisions. When God has the final say in your life, you have fully surrendered to God. Because the scary thing is, college students, what you surrender to or who you surrender to is the one who calls the shots in your life. Is it your career? Are you surrendering to a career? Are you surrendering to a culture that changes year by year? When I, when I was in high school, when I was a freshman, sophomore in college, the things that were in style back then, they really aren't in style anymore. Or the things that I was pursuing, people aren't really pursuing anymore. What calls the shots in your life? What has the final say in your life? Who you surrender to is the one who has ultimate authority in your life. And what blows my mind as I was studying this passage is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the reason why they were able to stand up to King Nebuchadnezzar is we have to go back to Daniel chapter 1 and, and at the beginning of Daniel chapter 3. What King Nebuchadnezzar was asking these three guys to do was the very thing that got, um, got them kicked out of their homeland was committing idolatry. As you read through the Bible, as you read through the Old Testament, you see the Israelites fall into idolatry over and over and over again. And when they repent, God restores them back to the right relationship with them. 
But what, what was even crazier to me is what Nebuchadnezzar, how Nebuchadnezzar was using his authority. He was taking freedom away from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But college students, when God has the full and the final say in your life, when he has the ultimate authority in your life, do you know all he wants to do is give you freedom? When you are fully surrendered to Christ, you get to experience the freedom that comes from Christ. I can't, I can't say that enough. And what happens so many times is we let culture make us think we're missing something or lacking something because the next person we see on social media or our friend or a family member, or the person we're in a relationship with, they, they say, man, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll have fulfillment. But then really when we try to do X, Y, and Z, we really see it's not all that it's cracked up to be. And now we're left at ground one again of like, where do I go next? Colossians, Philippians 4.19 says this right here. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Will supply all your needs. Culture will try to have you think God is restricting you or keeping you from something. But it's actually the complete opposite. You think about from the very beginning, if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, what's crazy about Genesis chapter 3 is the devil did the same thing to Eve. The devil, you know how the devil got Eve? The devil made Eve think that God was withholding or, with, or restricting her from something. When we learn in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, God had already given Adam and Eve everything that they needed in the garden. And college students, the same lie the devil used on Eve is the same lie that he's going to use on you today. saying Christ is holding something from you, but culture will give it to you. And it's the complete opposite. You have nothing with culture, but you have everything that you need in Christ. The culture today will try to tell you um, God's word restricts you. And takes away your freedom. But when you know God's word, it clearly tells us we all have freedom when we have a relationship with him. And if we want to experience that freedom, that freedom comes from God's word. And it starts with us surrendering to God's word. And college students, hear me say this. When it comes to surrendering to God's word, you have to have faith. The whole, if you disprove Christianity... You have to disprove the resurrection. And our whole faith is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when you surrender to that, you get to experience his freedom. And I tell you that to say this because Hebrews 11.6 says this. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. What rewards have you been getting from culture? What rewards do you get for walking away from the Lord? What rewards do you get when you fall into sin? Nothing. But when you seek Christ, he rewards you. Here, I'm not saying he's going to reward you with monetary, materialistic things or money or things like that. But he rewards you with freedom. Is that not enough? He gave Jesus Christ his only son to die the death that we deserve so that we could have eternal freedom. Is that, is that not enough? Because I'm telling you, this world is passing by. Your money is passing by. Your college days, they're passing by. But your relationship with Jesus, that matters today, tomorrow, the next day, and for the rest of your life if you have a relationship with Jesus. But standing up for Christ first has to start with spending time with Christ. 
it's really hard to stand up for somebody you don't know. College students, what's your Bible reading look like? What's your time with the Lord look like? I know college is busy. I know you got 8 a.m.s. Power to you if you sign up for those. Are you willing to get up in the morning or are you willing to read your Bible, spend time with the Lord in prayer before you go to your college campus? Because it's really hard to stand up for Christ if you're not spending time with him. It's really hard to stand up for Christ if you don't know God's word. And James 1.12 says this right here. Blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. College students, it's really hard to know the freedom that Jesus wants to give you if you don't spend time in his word. And for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the only thing that they would bow to is the true God. They wouldn't bow to a culture because everybody else was doing it. You saw at the beginning of Daniel chapter 3, when they heard the music, they fell to the statue. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are the ones standing and bowing before the God who created them and that loved them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow to a threat. They wouldn't bow to the culture. But college students, the question I pose to you tonight is what are you bound to? And it may not be a golden statue. It may not be a 90-foot golden statue. But is it your career? Is it how much money you're making in your job? Is it a relationship? Is it a friendship? Is it you trying to fit in so you won't be rejected? Are you worried that if you stand up for your faith to a friend group that doesn't agree with you that you'll be rejected? And if you are, praise the Lord. Jesus tells us to rejoice in the persecution. But let me tell you this, college students. Your silence, if you aren't standing up for Christ in your circles of influence, your silence can show support. Does your friend group know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Do they see the freedom that you have in having a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because as I've already said, culture, it will change tomorrow. It'll be different next year. It'll be different when y'all are out of college. But the same thing that will be constant in your life is Jesus Christ. He is the same today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. And he'll be constant for you and give you freedom. But will you stand up for him instead of bowing? To the culture. But not only that, number two, we see Christ walks us through the fire. Not only does Christ give us freedom in the fire, but number two, Christ walks us through the fire. And I love this. We can't overlook this in verse 25. Look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire. And I want to emphasize this action of walking because I, I love. Man, Daniel said something last week in his sermon that stood out to me of there's a difference between giving somebody advice through a problem, but there's a a bigger difference when you walk them through a fire. Not only does God's word give you advice through the consequences that you face standing up for him, not only does God's word give you advice for the trials that you're in, but as you read God's word, as you draw closer to God, he walks you through the consequences. He walks you through the fire. He walks you through your trials. He walks you through your problems because he cares about you. I guarantee you when you're in a trial, when you're in a problem, when you're facing persecution, your job's not going to show up for you. The culture will not show up for you in the midst of 
trials and persecution, but Jesus Christ will literally walk you through it hand in hand. And I love the action of walking because I think about me and my wife. When we first started dating, we went on walks together. That's how we got to know each other. That's how we got to spend time together. Walking together is an intimate, is a close part of our relationship. Meaning when Jesus walks you through your trial, not only does he care about you, but he's close to you in the fire. He's not waiting for you to come out on the other end. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was with them facing the king, taking them to the fire, with them in the fire, leading them out of the fire. And Jesus does the same thing for you. But do you trust him? As King Nebuchadnezzar noticed, he saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego calling out on the, high, on the most high God, on trusting the most high God, that he walked them out of it. And he noticed that they trusted the most high God. College students, what has your trust in your life today? What do you trust the most? And I love this idea of walking because, college students, you know what we do when we face trials, when we face problems, when we get into a rut? We're so quick to try to get out of it. We're so quick to just get through it. We're so, honestly, we, when hard times come, we just want to run through them and just, all right, God, get me out of this. But you know what happens when you try to run through your trials and just get them over with and get them out of the way? You miss Jesus in the trial with you. Colossians, the biggest, the second biggest truth I can give you is Christ is in the fire with you. But will you trust him to guide you out of it? And I love the song that we're about to sing at the at the at the end of the service tonight. Another in the fire. I um I actually have I have the lyrics pulled up because I just want to read them. I'm gonna let Alan and his team sing them. I'm gonna read them. Because there is so much power in these lyrics that we're going to sing tonight. And I pray, my team's prayer for us through as we go through this sermon series is that we wouldn't just sing songs off of lyrics off a of screen. We wouldn't just mumble words that are going across the boards tonight. But that you would sing them, believe them, and see them as truth in your life. You would see these songs lived out in your life. And this song says this right here. There was another in the fire. Standing next to me, there was another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. Jesus Christ bared your sins on the cross and died for you. But let me go to the next chorus. I think that's the right musical term. There's another in the fire standing next to me. There's another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding what the power set me free, there is a grave that holds no body, and now that power lives in me. Do you know the power that you have when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know what we do, though, Colossians? We make our problems and our trials bigger than the God that we serve. We try to maximize our problems instead of maximizing our God. And when you maximize your God, when you realize the power that you have in Jesus Christ, your problems become so minute. They become so, and hear me, I'm not minimizing the things that you have in your life. I'm not minimizing the hard things that you go through in your life. But another thing about walking is walking is an action. Walking is us walking, moving forward. 
No, it's not walking backwards. We're not, back, we're not backpedaling. For anybody who played football, basketball, athletes, you're not backpedaling through your problems because that's not making progress. But Jesus walks you through your problems, walks you through the fire, because when you have Jesus on your side in your trials, you can make progress in your trials. But will you rush through them and miss what Jesus is doing? Because remember, let me go to the end of the song. I'm so excited to sing this song tonight. It says... I'm sorry, I can't find it. I can't find it. I'm sorry. Darn it. It talks about, um, it's a, the last course, praise the Lord. There, there will be another in the fire standing next to me. There will be another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding how good you've been to me, I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. Jesus is in, the fire is in the trenches with you. Culture is not. Your career is not in the fires with you. You're, you can lose a job the next day, and then what? A friend group can change next week, then what? Your life can change in the blink of an eye, then what? But through it all, guess what the constant thing will be is Jesus Christ but do you believe that he's walking you through the fire? And where we see another part of this, I love this. We go to Exodus chapter 14. There's another in the waters holding back the sea. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on the right and their left. Costumes, just imagine, let's bring the Bible to life tonight. Imagine being the Israelites in that situation, fleeing from the Egyptians, literally fleeing out of Egyptian slavery to taste freedom, and they come to this body of water. And God tells Moses to lift up your staff, and you literally watch the waters part. A wall to, to your left, a wall to your right, and they walk on dry ground. They are moving. They are going through their problems on dry ground, and God is with them. Because you know what happens right after? He closes the sea, and they experience freedom. Imagine being in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in a blazing furnace, and they're getting ready to walk out of this thing because there was a fourth person in the fire, Jesus Christ. But notice, take, let's take it a step further with walking if I was in a fire, if my house, if my apartment was on fire with Skylar, baby, wake up. We got to get out. They weren't running. They weren't crawling. They weren't sprinting. They were walking. Jesus walks with you. Do you walk with him? Will you walk with him? Look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar even figured out there's a fourth dude in the fire and it's not my gold statue. College students, some of you feel like you're in a fire tonight. Like I said, I don't want to minimize what you're going through. I don't want to minimize your problems. And some of you feel like you're in something and you can't get out. This is the truth that I want you to hear and I want you to believe it. When you have Jesus in the fire with you, you are the complete opposite of stuck. 
Instead of being stuck, you actually get to move through your problems and make steady progress. And Jesus warns us of this. John 16, it says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. College students, do you know Jesus has conquered your sin tonight? He has conquered the things that you were going through on the cross when he died for your sins, buried in the grave, and raised from the grave three days later. A gold statue can't do that for us. Nobody on this earth can do that for us. But Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, did that for you. And for me, this makes me think about a time I was in high school. I, uh, man, I, I, I didn't get saved until after high school. I got saved at 18 when I graduated as a senior. And uh, I think I was in my 11th grade year of high school. And uh, me and two of my best friends in high school, we were uh, in my 1997 Toyota Corolla. And um, one of my buddies, he was in the back seat. He was a believer. Um, and my other buddy, who is not a believer, was in the front seat with me. And uh, the buddy in the back seat was uh, my childhood best friend, Aziz. And I remember this conversation got brought up. Aziz, I saw his life literally change in 10th grade. He fell madly in love with Jesus, our 10th grade year of high school. And I remember our 11th grade year, it was summer practice. We were, uh, maybe it was summer practice or we were in season, but we were leaving practice. And um, a conversation about God got brought up. Aziz knew I wasn't a believer. Aziz knew I wasn't going to church. He knew our other teammate wasn't going to church. And this topic of um, something got brought up. And my buddy who wasn't saved, he was making it very clear he didn't think it was a sin. And Aziz, on the other hand, he was letting us know very clearly that it was a sin. And me as 11th grader, I was, I was on the fence. Uh, Coach was saved at this point. Daniel was saved at this point. Aziz was saved at this point. And so two of my closest friends, two, two dudes that I saw live Jesus out before I gave my life to Jesus, um, we're sharing Jesus with me. And Aziz, he made it very clear what we were talking about, um, what we were disagreeing on. It was a sin. And I was, as 11th grader, I was like, please don't ask me what I think. Please don't. I'm just trying to get y'all home. We just left practice. Please let me get home. And Aziz says, Deco, what you think? It's like being, in, you know, like being in the classroom and you make eye contact with the teacher and they call on you to answer the question you don't know. Like that's, that's, that's how, and Aziz was in the back seat. So I was like, bro, I didn't even look at you. But he's like, Aziz, what do you, Deco, what do you think? I'll never forget his response. I was trying to, I was trying to stutter. I was trying to spit out a response. I was like, well, Aziz, I, and he, he said, he cut me off. He said, he said, Dakota, if you agree with him, I will get out of this car and I'll walk home. He, at this point, we were leaving the high school. We were on Bartlett Boulevard and Stage Road. So, I mean, he didn't have a super long walk home, if we're being honest. And me and Aziz, we used, to mob, we used to mob around the city of Bartlett before I had my Corolla. And if you know Aziz, I've, I've been talking to him this weekend. And when Aziz, when he gets fired up about something, his eyes get really wide. Decode, if you, if you agree with him, I'm getting out of this car and walking home. And I was like, as an 11th grader, I was shook. I was like, how do, I was like, Aziz, I didn't even get to respond. But what's crazy is as I look back to that moment in the car, such a small moment in our lives, but such a big deal for Aziz. Well, we've been talking about this whole night. As an 11th grader, Aziz wasn't trying to make me feel bad about agreeing or disagreeing. But Aziz, what he was doing was he was showing the seriousness of what he stood for. 
And not only that, let me take it, let me take it a step further. Aziz was ready to take on the consequences of the decision of the decision that he was making, even if it made his situation more difficult. Because Aziz had two options in that moment. He could have sat in silence and just let us keep talking and sharing our opinions. And he would have got an easy ride home. I'd be like, all right, Aziz, see you tomorrow, bro. Going to school tomorrow, see you at practice tomorrow. Or what Aziz chose to do, he stood up for what he believed in and he was willing to take the consequences even if it made his life more difficult. College student, when it comes to standing up for Christ, will you sit in silence when culture says something contradictory to the Bible? Because like I said earlier, your silence shows support. Take it a step further. Are you willing to stand up for Christ even if it makes your life a little more difficult? Because college students, let's be honest, we're not facing a fiery furnace. College students, let's be honest, we're not in danger when it comes to sharing our faith. College students, if we're being honest, the biggest thing that we're facing when we stand up for our faith is maybe we have to find a new friend group. And college students, if your friends aren't asking you how your soul's doing, that's not really a godly friend anyways. That's not really a good friend anyways. Because you, your friends, you have two options with your friends. They're either pushing you to Christ or they're pulling you from Christ. But here, let me take it another question. Are you the friend pushing people to Christ or pulling people from Christ? Even if your life gets difficult, are you willing to stand up and speak out for Christ? Because Aziz... Praise the Lord. I, I said, Aziz, please stay in the car, bro. I, I want to learn. I want to hear more about this. Because for Aziz, he was willing to walk all the way home. And on that walk home, I remember we were at the stage road in Bartlett Boulevard. So he would have been, he would have got right out on the corner of Applebee's in Bartlett. He would have walked all the way home and Christ would have been walking away with him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Or he could have sat in silence and had to deal with the consequences from the Lord later. College student, what decision will you make tonight? And I love this. Psalm 8410 says this right here. Better a day in your court, in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. Aziz would have rather walked home knowing he stood up for Christ than getting the easy ride home and sitting in silence. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. In verse 12, happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. Colossians, the question I have to ask you is, are you comfortable with culture or are you content with Christ? Because being comfortable with culture will have you ignoring Christ, but being content with Christ We'll have you ignoring culture. Which one will you choose? But the last truth that I want to share with you tonight as we come to point three and as we wrap up Daniel chapter three and as we get ready to sing another in the fire. Not only does Christ give you freedom in the fire, not only does Christ walk us through the fire, but number three, Christ protects us from the fire. We read in verse 25, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were unharmed from the fire. Not a hair on their head was singed. Their clothes were unaffected. They didn't even have the smell of fire of them. And let's take it a step further, college students. When Sha- from the beginning with Nebuchadnezzar, 
he was commanding everybody in Babylon to bow to a gold statue. But when he saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego embrace the fire for the Most High God, he then called on their God as the Most High God. What's the application? What's this mean for us college students? The world watches how we go through the hard times in our life. The way you go through the consequences of standing up for Christ, the way you go through your trials and persecutions because you have a relationship with Jesus, the lost world, the people who don't know Jesus, they're watching you. And hear me, your life can push somebody closer to Jesus. How you live your life matters. It's easy to live for Jesus when everything's going your way. It's easy to live for Jesus when nothing's going against you. But what will you do when it seems like everything in the world is going against you? Will you fold? Will you turn to culture? Will you turn to something else other than God's word? Because I, and I want to make something very clear. When it comes to living out our faith, yes, living our life, living our life for Christ is, is important and it matters. And that shows people that we have Jesus in us. But our pastor said it today so perfectly. When it comes to pushing people to Jesus, though, you have to share Jesus with people verbally. And what I mean by that is the way you go through your trials, your persecutions, the consequences of standing up for Christ, it could bring the opportunity for you to share Jesus with somebody. But the question is, do those people around you, whether your life's going really well, everything's going good for you, or it's going really poor and it's hard right now, do people know you have a relationship with Jesus? And before we close, before we go into our last worship song of the night, I want to make something very clear. Because we see in our world and in the Bible, people die for standing up for Jesus. When I say Christ protects us from the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, go back to verse 18, but even if he does not save us, we will not bow to the gods you have set up. Christ protects us eternally. In, this, in Daniel chapter 3, he protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego physically. But what I have to make very clear to you, college students, even in the midst of physical harm, the world, the culture, the consequences cannot take away your eternal security if you know Jesus Christ. And so the question I have for you tonight as we close, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?